Do you want to know one guaranteed way to change your life? Change the way you think about your life. Welcome to Aligned Mind Weekly, a podcast for anyone who's ever felt a little bit stuck and wants to learn how to use the power of their own mind to change that. Each week, I'll explore different ways that thought and mindset work are changing my life and how they have the power to radically change yours too. Now let's dive into this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Aligned Mind Weekly. This is Samantha and I'm excited for today's conversation on self-worth because I think it's tied to a lot of the different areas of mindset and emotion management and I've been thinking about it a lot lately and wanted to share my ideas with all of you. So one thing that I've been thinking about are certain times in my life where I've struggled with my thoughts and feelings. And I've been able to determine that I was struggling because the circumstances I was in at the time were causing me to have some pretty strong thoughts about my self-worth. Whether it was past relationships or my professional life, there were certain situations or circumstances that I was having these thoughts about. And then ultimately those thoughts became about my worth in relation to what was or had happened. And of course, thoughts about self-worth then created feelings that were pretty uncomfortable, like fear and shame and sadness. And as I was looking back, I wanted to better understand why these circumstances were leading me to these thoughts. Why was my self-worth so low in the first place and how I could learn and then subsequently teach others how to improve their self-worth. But then it hit me. Self-worth isn't something that you increase or earn. You just have it. We all just have it. We have it because we are born and because we're alive now. Self-worth is a given, whether you believe it or not. And that one blew my mind a little when I started to explore it. Because if that is the case, and I now believe that it is, then the issue never was or is about low self-worth at all. It's not about needing to increase self-worth, but instead it's a low opinion of ourselves based on beliefs that we hold about who we are compared to who we think we're supposed to be. See, we have worth regardless of any criteria, but yet we are constantly evaluating ourselves against a whole host of criteria. And what are some of those things that we think creates or increases our worth? Well, often we believe that things like education or intelligence make us more worthy as humans, or we think it's about how much money we have or the job that we do. Perhaps we measure ourselves based on our level of attractiveness or our weight, or our age, or whether we're in a relationship, or whether we have children. But what if I told you none of this matters? At least not when it comes to worth. Because again, you have personal worth just because you are here. There is no universal standard for how to gain worth, because it cannot be gained. It just is. You get to believe that you are worthy without condition, full stop. Why don't you try saying that with me? 
I am unconditionally worthy. I am good enough just because I am. That's pretty cool, huh? And I know it's probably easier to say than to believe, but I want to encourage you to practice this thought often and each time to allow it to sink in a little bit further. Now, as far as our opinions of ourselves, perhaps the real work is about recognizing what is causing the low opinion of ourselves, causing that divide between who we believe we are versus who we believe we should be. I think a lot of it has to do with the categories that I just mentioned. Maybe we believe that we should be educated or wealthy or thin or married. At some point in our lives, we probably received the programming that these sorts of things are better and therefore make us better as a person than, say, being uneducated or poor or fat or single would. And while some of these things may provide certain advantages over the other, perhaps what they do not do is make the person who has them more worthy than the person who has not achieved them. Undoing this type of programming can be difficult and it can take time. We are bombarded with messages from our families, our peer group, the media, and so much more about what is considered good and therefore what we need to accomplish to be good or to have worth. Reminding yourself that you have worth no matter what is a good first step towards unwinding the false belief that there is this checklist out there for being good enough. Sometimes I think we also attach truth to the thoughts that other people have about us or even the thoughts that we think they have about us. So let's talk about that in two ways. One, say another person or other people have shared their opinion about you with you. Maybe they have told you that you aren't attractive enough, you aren't smart enough. Basically, you just aren't enough in some or many ways. That can be really hard. Those words have the potential to damage our belief about ourselves. But what if I reminded you that those opinions, as hurtful as they can feel when we think about them, are just thoughts? that another person is having about a circumstance that just happens to be us. That those opinions are based on their perceptions, their biases, and their personal experiences. What they are not is truth about us. Does it still hurt? Probably. And that is absolutely okay. In an upcoming episode, I want to review how we can think about being offended differently. So for now, I think a good place to start with this is remembering that someone else's opinion of us is not a reflection of our worth because their opinion is not a truth and because our worth is a given no matter what. The other part of this concept that I want to mention is that sometimes we measure how we feel about ourselves based on how we think other people see us or think about us. Perhaps these are specific people in our lives or a larger part of society. 
but we have an idea that other people are judging us or evaluating us in some or many ways. We don't necessarily know this for sure, but we believe it to be happening and then adjust our opinion of who we are or what we are worth accordingly. In my experience, this tends to stem from our own fears and insecurities about ourselves. We fear we don't measure up and then project that onto others by assuming they believe that about us also. So to use an example, let's say you're single and you think that being single means that there's something wrong with you. Perhaps that's because on some level, you believe that having a partner is what validates that you are worthy of love. And if that is the case, you are more likely to assume that when someone else even just asks about your relationship status, they are judging you when you tell them that you are not currently dating or married. Even if their response is relatively neutral, you are more likely to assume, based on your own fear and uncertainty, that it isn't neutral and that it has reinforced your own belief about yourself in this regard. It's interesting the way our brains do that, this form of confirmation bias that we're looking for, that a reaction from someone can seem different just based on what we think, our own preconceived belief about what they think. And now imagine that someone does happen to respond with a comment or even a facial expression that suggests that they don't feel that this is an acceptable answer. For whatever reason, your single status doesn't seem to be something that they approve of. You are now more likely to feel badly about it and subsequently about yourself and your worth because of the thoughts that you had about the meaning of it to begin with. In this case, even if you are aware that that is just an opinion of theirs, because it echoes something you have as a belief, it now feels more true to you. What is most interesting to me, though, is that we often judge ourselves and evaluate our worth far more harshly than others do, and even more harshly than we do for others. Using the same example, if a good friend of mine is single, I don't ever think that it means anything about them as a person or their ability to be loved. Usually, I think it means that dating and or marriage is hard and that at this point in time, they just haven't met the right person. They will, it just hasn't happened yet. I empathize with their concerns. I recognize that their feelings are valid, but I don't think it means anything about them or their future in terms of someone who would like to be dating or in some form of partnership. But yet when it comes to ourselves, it seems so easy to jump to the belief that it means that we haven't met the right person and that we'll never meet the right person because somehow that means we are not deserving of the love that we seek. It hasn't happened because we're not good enough for it to happen to us. That inner critic that we talked about in episode one 
can be so very unfair because it holds us to a standard that is almost impossible to meet. It often expects us to be exceptional in order to feel worthy. And that is something that I have spent a lot of time focusing on for myself, both in therapy and through the practice of thought work. Something that the perfectionist part of my inner critic is keen to do is think in terms of all or nothing or black and white. This is a form of cognitive distortion or something you may also have seen referred to as a mind trap. And the way that it has and that it continues to show up for me is by holding me to this expectation that I do everything extremely well and therefore I get to believe that I am great, which translates to worthy or else. I start to have these thoughts that suggest that anything other than extremely well means that I'm not great. And that means that I am not good enough or not worthy. For me, recognizing this mind trap also means that I have to acknowledge when I'm having these thoughts and remind myself that there is this expansive gray area between being great, being exceptional, and being bad. And I have to continue practicing that thought that the gray area exists every time it creeps up because it does. It continues to creep up. This is a way that my brain has thought for years and it didn't go away overnight. And I know that it's not going to, but I work on it. And something else that I practice, especially when that inner critic is doing that perfectionist thing that it loves to do is that I remind myself that irrespective of how well I have done or not done or how well my condemning inner critic thinks I have done or not done, I am always, always worthy. So how do we measure our worth? If we don't evaluate it against criteria set out for us by others or our own beliefs? Well, we don't. Instead, we work on thinking differently or changing our opinion about who we believe we are by detaching from the criteria that we are currently using against ourselves. We stop thinking that our career or our bank account or the reflection in the mirror is indicative of our value. And perhaps we instead give ourselves credit for how we show up in our lives, how we try when it's easier not to, how we love even though we have been hurt, how we have made mistakes, but we have grown from them. Perhaps our opinion of ourselves comes from who we are authentically and not how we fit into some category that has no universal value anyway. In addition to that belief, I want to share a few things that have been helpful when it comes to improving my own opinion of myself. Number one is gratitude and self-appreciation. Some people like a gratitude journal and we focus on things external to us. And I think it's great to do that. I really do. And I think it's something if you aren't currently doing, I want to suggest that you give that practice some thought and, and consider doing that for yourself. But I want to encourage you in the practice of gratitude to make some of those things gratitude for yourself or appreciation for yourself. So you can be grateful that you had a delicious lunch, but how about also looking at it like, 
I am grateful or appreciative that I have the skills to make myself a delicious lunch. I am grateful or I am appreciative that I take the time and prioritize my health and my nutrition in order to prepare a meal that is good for me and that satisfies my hunger. Gratitude and self-appreciation as a daily practice go a long way towards improving our opinion of ourself, especially when circumstances happen that call it into question. It sort of builds a buffer, which is really nice in terms of having that foundation so you're less likely to get rattled for too long when the circumstances external to you start making the ground feel a little bit shaky. Another one is forgiveness. Forgiveness for things you've done that you think were a mistake, things that might have been a regret or is a regret for you, anything that you're looking back on and wish that you had handled it differently, forgive yourself. It happened. You can't undo it. You can learn from it. You can try to make amends and to become a person who wouldn't do it again, but you're never going to be given the opportunity to change it. So you have to forgive yourself and let it go in order to regain the sense of self for who you are today. Forgiveness is important. Number three, when I find that my inner critic is being really harsh with me, I acknowledge it. The inner critic is part of me. So I have to be compassionate with that part of me rather than frustrated or unaccepting of the critic. We talked about this when it comes to emotions, but resistance will only give it strength. When I feel the inner critic pop into my thoughts, something that I try to do is just recognize that it's there. Recognize that it's trying to protect me in some very, very misguided way, but I allow those thoughts to happen and then I evaluate them, understanding that they're coming from the critic's perspective. Lastly, when I find that I'm being hard on myself or that when my opinion of myself has decreased for certain reasons, based on certain criteria, I try to think to myself, how would I think about this? What would my opinion be if this was someone else that I loved? So of course, I do love myself, but as we mentioned, we're so very hard on ourselves. So I imagine this specific set of circumstances and then the subsequent thoughts are about somebody else that I love. Would I think this if this were happening to them? That makes such a huge difference in terms of how critical we are. Because when we put it onto someone else who we're protective of, we're far less likely to be so very condemning for it. Improving your opinion of yourself is not easy. I can admit, most days I love and appreciate myself. But there are still moments in every single one of those days where I'm not so sure. This practice takes time and patience and compassion. So I want you to give yourself permission to learn it, but also to slip back into old patterns from time to time and then try again. Because remember, 
The goal isn't perfect. The goal is getting to the place where more often than not, you know that you're good enough, no matter what has happened or what will happen. So I think that's where I'll leave this off for this week. But I'd like to encourage you to spend some time every single day gently reminding yourself that you're worthy. By building up your opinion of yourself, you're also going to find it's easier to do both the thought and emotional management that we're going to talk about, especially when it comes to some of the more tricky topics. If you do have any questions or feedback on this episode, though, once again, my email can be found in the show notes below. But other than that, I hope you have a beautiful week and I look forward to talking to you again when I release a new episode next Monday. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you liked what you heard, I would love it if you could subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And until next week, remember, change starts in your mind.